0: you <laughs> everyone and welcome back to World of Sharks, a podcast all about sharks and the oceans brought to you by the Save Our Seas Foundation. My name is Isla and every episode I have the joy of sitting down with experts in science, conservation, education and storytelling to take you on a deep dive into a different part of the wonderful world of sharks. Now it is October which also means that it's spooky season and we thought it was an excellent opportunity to shed some light on a group of fishes who don't get the attention they deserve, in my humble opinion. They aren't sharks exactly, but they are closely related. Think of them as the cousins who moved really far away and you only see them every other Christmas. They're pretty cool, but also a little weird and no one knows that much about them. I am talking about the Chimeras, also known as ghost sharks, spookfish, ratfish, rabbitfish. They're also named after a fire-breathing mythical creature who it is said to have the head of a lion, the behind of a snake, and the body of a goat. So all in all, I think you'll agree that they're pretty strange-looking and associated with the unnatural, so they fit into the Spooktober theme very well, and we are devoting an entire episode to them. But before we get into how cool they are and meet our equally cool guest, I'm going to take us on a very quick taxonomy diversion. So sharks belong to a large group of fishes known as the chondrichthians, who all share a flexible skeleton made of cartilage rather than bone. Now cartilage is the stuff that you can feel if you squish the end of your nose or feel the top of your ears. That's what sharks, rays, skates, and chimeras, the Chondrichthians, are all made out of. That's the common thing that they share. But sometime around 400 million years ago, the chimeras diverged from sharks and their other relatives. They differ from sharks in having upper jaws that are fused to their skull four gill plates with one opening and three pairs of tooth plates that they retain for their whole lives. So to sum that all up, we have one big happy family, the Chondrichthians, and they are basically kind of split into two. You've got the Elasmobranchs, which are the sharks, rays and skates. And then you have the holocephalins, which is really hard for me to say, which are the Chimeras. And to help us learn more about them, we have enlisted the help of fish biologist and Save Our Seas project leader, Dr. Luz Arandi Saldagne Rees. Luz is a postdoctoral fellow at the Fisheries Ecology Lab at the Enseñada Center for Scientific Research and Higher Education in Mexico. Her research tries to understand the impact of anthropogenic stressors, like fishing and climate change, on cartilaginous fishes, and this work has brought Luce close to chimeras. For her Save Our Seas funded project, Luce sought to describe the catch of the Popotla fishery, a fishing camp on Mexico's Pacific coast, where rarer species like chimeras and prickly sharks... Don't worry, we also cover prickly sharks in this episode. I couldn't let Luce get away without talking about them. Chimeras and prickly sharks are caught fairly regularly. Luce wrote a fantastic article for the Save Our Seas Foundation, which I will link in the show notes, called Chimeras, the shark's forgotten cousins, where she talks all about these mysterious and strange animals. And I asked her to describe them for us here on the pod as well. But we also learn all about Lucy's work, not only her Save Our Seas Foundation project, but also her research now, which uses all kinds of super cool technology to collect data on species we don't know a lot about, like chimeras and prickly sharks, and uses that information to inform better fisheries management. In this episode, we find out why chimeras are called ghost sharks, where we can find them, and what we know about them. And here's a little clue. It's not a lot. <laughs> we also take a detour to meet the prickly shark, all while learning about Lucia's career, her deep passion for our cartilaginous friends, and her work gathering all important data for rare species, cites-listed species, deep water species and data poor and data limited fisheries. As always, we will leave links in the show notes to Luce, so you can follow along with her work. She is not only a brilliant scientist and conservationist, but also an incredibly talented artist as well. And she creates beautiful artwork of the species we talk about in this episode. You can find that on Instagram and Facebook by following Irandi Science Art. They are so... Good, and I would highly recommend giving these pages a follow because who doesn't love seeing chimeras in watercolour? I know that I do. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this slightly spooky and strange episode of World of Sharks, and if you're going as anything shark-related for Halloween, why don't you let us know? You can get in touch by emailing isla at com. Or by contacting us on social media. We are at Save Our Seas Foundation on Instagram and at Save Our Seas on Twitter. Or you can find me over at Isla Talks Ocean. We would absolutely love to see your shark-related costumes, your marine-themed costumes, anything sharky, marine-themed, Halloween-related. Or even if you just want to say hi or let us know what you think of the pod, we always love hearing from you. So feel free to get in touch. Okay, without further ado, grab your pumpkins and your best ghost impression and let's dive in to our episode. Hello, Luce, and welcome to the World of Shocks podcast. Thank you so much for this invitation. No, thank you. Thank you for coming on for... Coming onto the podcast at half past eight in the morning for you, but you are in the lab, which is very cool. I can see all of the lab equipment in the background. Our listeners won't be able to see this, but it's definitely an appropriate background for World of Sharks. Yeah, of course. We're so excited to have you on. I was just explaining, we have kind of gone with a theme of spooky season uh, along the kind of ghost sharks and spook fish kind of theme. But we're using that as a vehicle to learn all about your work and all about your project with Save Our Seas and what you're doing now. I cannot wait to get into it. But first, we like to get to know you a little better. And our first question is one that we ask every single guest. It is quite a difficult one for people who are passionate about the ocean and who have worked with the ocean a lot as I'm sure you have. But do you have an experience with the ocean that stands out for you as particularly memorable or special?
1: Yeah, uh I definitely have had one because I when I was a child I loved to go to the sea, swim and I spend a lot of time in tidal pools watching crabs, octopuses, starfishes. Well, I think I still love to do that. <laughs> but the most, it's kind of like a mixture between fear and curiosity about what's beneath my feet when I was swimming in the ocean. You know, it's basically thalassophobia. So, the first time I, I did scuba diving and ocean world opens to me, it was really, really amazing. I mean, the colors, the fishes everywhere, the movements—it was amazing. That was for me the first time I had the opportunity to see directly the ocean.
0: Oh wow! I think I think a lot of people have thalassophobia, like the fear of not being able to see what's underneath you. It can be really scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, it was kind
1: of a mixture. Scary, and I'm very curious about what is there over there. Yeah,
0: yeah, and like that, you're totally right. Like the first time you dive, and it's like having a a window into a secret world that no, you've not experienced before. is it's pretty incredible. Yeah. So that was your most memorable experience. That was the first time that you experienced what was underneath the waves. But when did you discover a passion for sharks?
1: Well, when I was a child, I, I also loved to read a lot of books about the ocean, especially marine life, uh, and especially if they have illustrations and photos, of course. So I remember having one particular book, uh, illustrated book about um, animals in general, you know, terrestrial and, and marine mam- uh, animals. But I, I always remember to see the narwhal, this kind of creature for me, For many years, I thought this wasn't a real animal. So when I found out that this actually is a real animal, I mean, come on, you can blame me. It's the unicorn of the sea. So the first time I learned that this is actually a real animal, I say, oh my God, I need to know more about the ocean animals. I mean, if this animal is real, what else we can find there? So I started reading a lot of books and I got a lot of curious about, uh, fishes and especially the sharks got my attention, especially the race and skates. So that's how I started everything. i started to learn some basic stuff in, in child's book at the time, but because I'm very old right now (laughs) at the time, we didn't have enough books with tracks information. So, I think uh, that's another reason that I why my curiosity grew up over the t- over the years.
0: Yeah, a lot of mysteries. There's still a lot of mysteries around these animals as well. But yeah, the I totally understand what you mean. The narwhal it looks like something that someone has made up, like dreamt up, like a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and a lot of marine animals look like look like that. A lot of deep sea animals, especially. There's a lot of people that still don't believe me. Like if I show some of my family pictures of what is there, they're like, nope, mm-hmm. that's not real. That's from a film. Someone's made that up. You're, you're having us on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're joking around with us.
1: Actually, another uh, thing for me was the movie Jazz. It kind of had the contrary effect on me. Instead of having this fear to the sharks, I think the curiosity grow even more.
0: Me. yeah yeah we've had a lot of people say that on the podcast myself included I'm surprised at how well actually maybe I'm not surprised but there are a lot <laughs> of people who have said that jaws rather than freak them out mm-hmm. it made them want to explore sharks more yeah yeah <laughs> like a rite of passage <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um, but you have a PhD in marine ecology so obviously you know, jaws and all of that passion, that curiosity for you led you on to studying marine biology and then later doing a PhD. Can you tell us about what you were studying for your PhD? For my PhD, I
1: focus on uh, shark fisheries because fisher- shark fisheries here in Mexico are very important. We, we look to, to do research to conserve and manage the shark species. There are some species that need conservation because their status, they are endangered, the life history traits, but also here in Mexico the shark fisheries are very important and I think uh, it's source of income, source of food for many fishing communities. So it's important to uh, research and know more about the biological and fishery data and set the baseline for a well-managed fishery because sharks need it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so for your PhD, were you looking at what kind of species were being landed and trying to describe them?
1: Yeah, of course. Also another
0: important thing of
1: this, uh, of my PhD research was the historical approach of the fisheries. We could identify the start of the fishery here well officially start of the fishery uh or modern fishery, like we would like to say here at mexico especially in the mexican pacific and that was uh, was a very interesting history and they have the opportunity to identify how the shark fisheries are rooted in the communities for many many years
0: because that's a it, it's such an important aspect to explore right because um I feel like a lot of people, when they hear that sharks are being overfished, their immediate reaction is to say, okay, well, why don't we ban all shark fisheries and all shark fishing activities? And you obviously can't because it's tied so closely to a lot of cultures and a lot of people's livelihoods as well. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, of course.
0: So the more that we know about what, what they're actually fishing and the extent of that, then we can move more towards sustainable practices if or, or even know what practices are happening and what the level of damage is yeah
1: yeah definitely definitely so we, we we're looking for um to work directly also with fishers because they are in the activities they are you know the species and It's kind of include human dimensions to the ecology, to the marine ecology studies and especially with sharks and especially with shark fisheries. I think that's very important and and it's key to uh, achieve sustainable management because you need to involve all the community.
0: Absolutely, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, as a social scientist, very, very happy to hear that. very much agree um but you were also a save our seas project leader can you tell us a little bit about the the fishery that you were working with um for that project um and also it was at i'm I'm gonna try and pronounce this please correct my pronunciation if it's wrong uh popotla yeah correct oh amazing woohoo in mexico um, but can you tell us a little bit about what you did and the fishery that you were working with?
1: Yeah, of course. So we did service at the Potla Fishing Camp. It's located in the Mexican Pacific. It's very close to the uh, Mexican-USA border. And we did service from March 2019 to February 2020. And, of course, we still doing... Uh, some service after the COVID pandemic closures, we try to describe the target species, the fishing gears, and all in general the fishing activities there. Uh, we identified the most abundant uh, sharks and rays caught by gill nets, like top sharks, like bat rays, uh, North Pacific spinny dogfish, Pacific angel shark, and shovel-nosed guitarfish. Actually, Pacific angel sharks have an interesting story here at Mexico because what here in the in the Pacific in the peninsula of Baja California, where I'm based, because Pacific angel sharks are the uh, was original the meat used for fish taco, so have a great importance historically for these communities here, and well, fish taco now is from other different species not only for sharks but this is a very interesting story I know this history is very interesting for me <laughs>
0: yeah. no no it's it's interesting for us as well I mean we are a, a, a shark nerd community so any everything to do with sharks is interesting for us and especially when it comes to the angel shark as well because angel sharks you know one of the most threatened groups yeah. of shark in the world right yeah
1: yeah, definitely. So that that was very interesting to to know about the shark fisheries.
0: Some of the other species that you were working with, and one of the most common species—correct me if I'm wrong—that you were finding in the catch, is the subject of our podcast episode today, which is the ghost sharks slash spookfish slash ratfish slash rabbitfish aka the chimeras we've never covered chimeras before on the podcast i know this is terrible but can you describe for our listeners what a chimera is so for someone who isn't kind of familiar with the chondrichthians as a whole and how are they related to sharks
1: well i used to say that chimeras are the sharks forgotten cousins because i think Many people don't know about chimeras, and even they don't know that are related to sharks and rays. Their skeletons are made of uh, cartilage, so that's why there are uh, cousins of sharks and rays. And I understand that it's complicated to know about chimeras because they live uh, um, in deep waters between 100 meters to up to 3 kilometers, 3,000 meters. Also, chimeras have less coverage in the media compared to their most famous relatives, you know, White Shards, (laughs) for example.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and chimeras, it's such a shame that they don't get more of the spotlight because you get some really weird and very funky-looking species that we don't yeah. talk about a lot. They're also they're also very like a prehistoric, yeah. the, the kind of like the OG, right? So they were the ones that came along first? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And they kind of remained largely unchanged. So when you're looking at a Chimera, you're kind of looking at, you know, f- millions, hundreds of millions of years of evolution, which I think is super cool. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's fascinating. I mean, they also, well, they call it a Spookfish or Ghost Shard. Uh, I think it's for their spectral appearance. And mm. also, they remind me, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, this uh, Zero, the peck dog from Jack Skeleton uh, from the Nightmare Before Christmas movie.
0: Oh! Talking about yeah the 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 dog that's yeah. one of my favorite movies <laughs> yeah the
1: dog of course so if you see the videos of of some of the chimeras you will see it ghostly swimming creature gliding in the dark in the waters of the ocean with eyes reflecting lights so I think that's why they call it ghost sharks <laughs> I think it's yeah
0: that's a really good description i've never put those two together but yeah they are really really like
1: yeah i'm, I'm a biologist, so i will say that they are like elegant swimming but for many people it's just gliding in the dark <laughs>
0: <laughs> but they are i think i think they're really i think they're really beautiful i mean some of yeah. them have this kind of like really beautiful like coloration like kind of yeah. bluey, silvery colors got these big uh these kind of fan like fins and they've got a very cute little face with big yeah. eyes
1: <laughs> yeah so I also uh, I, hate, I hate to break the spell but they actually like you say they call it ratfish or rabbit fish so no not
0: all the the chimera species are
1: ghostly looking.
0: They're called uh, ghost sharks and spookfish because of some of them have this kind of really sort of ghostly appearance. But why does ratfish and rabbitfish come into it? Well, the
1: ratfish name is for the tail because they have a, a long, thin tail. It's like similar to the rat. And I think it's the, the snout that's very familiar with the, the nose of the rabbit. also the big eyes that they have. So like a cute little rabbit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that gives people at home listening, like a kind of image Idea. of what we're thinking. But as I always say, Google, Google is your best friend. Check them out. Have a look at them. We were talking about at the beginning of the podcast species that look like they're not real. And to me,
1: yeah, the chimeras <laughs>
0: do embody that.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's what I was trying to get when I start with my history about (laughs) (laughs) narwhals.
0: Yeah, no, I totally understand what you mean. Um, But this might be quite a difficult question, so feel free not to answer it. But do we know how many species of chimera there are in the world? I think there are around...
1: 40 to 50 species. I, I do not do not have the exact, exact number. And especially because every day we are discovering new species, especially in the ocean.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's why I said it's a tough question, because we're, like you said, <laughs> discovering new species every day. This is a deep water species. But also, you know, this is a species that, or not a species, but a group of Animals that used to be so much more diverse and so much more widespread. I think a lot of the prehistoric fish that we thought were sharks have since been turned out to be chimeras. So, one that springs to mind is Helicoprion, the one with the buzzsaw for a jaw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's another
1: species that I recall to see in some books and say, that's not real. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think we were laughing about this we've done a couple of episodes on like prehistoric sharks and I can't imagine being the person to uncover that fossil of the, like the tooth whirl I mean we're just guessing still now what it looked like so it might not have even looked like that but yeah
1: yeah yeah definitely but you can see the images of the fossil and say well that's very probable to be, to look like that so and sometimes I think that the fossil studies must be very fun because sometimes they uh I think they made up something <laughs> I mean, it's fascinating
0: for me. Well, you you kind of are in a way because you can't you can never know for like a hundred percent certain, can you? Yeah. Um. One of my favorite things to do. I'm off on a complete tangent now, but one of my favorite things to do is look at like artistic reconstructions of prehistoric marine life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the the hilarious. There's like a particular one of um like a prehistoric sperm whale. I think it is versus megalodon they seem to love doing this and the sperm whale always looks incredibly happy to be munching down on a megalodon <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah the megalodon always look mad and, and angry and i'm gonna eat your soul or something like that
0: <laughs> i'm sure i think that's yeah. what a lot of the movies think yeah. as well <laughs> yeah <definitely. laughs> when they're convinced megalodon's gonna come back Anyway, back to chimeras are very a uh, very sweet little chimeras. Um, do we know much about their biology and life history?
1: Well, we don't know mu- so much about this species. It's not always easy to collect data. Um, Studying chimeras is not an easy task, especially because they live in deep waters, and we we don't have uh, easily access to that to samples, for example, and try to extract data about the biology. There are some efforts, of course, of in many parts of the world. And with this project, we are trying to do our efforts uh, in this, uh, in this part of the world.
0: Yeah. So do, cause I, I did read, um, when I was looking through the article that you wrote for Save Our Seas, you did mention that some of them lay eggs.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a very fascinating thing. Yes, of course. I also have the opportunity to see that eggs uh, here at the lab. So that and the prickly shark I have the opportunity to see was like foundation of this project development.
0: Oh, cool, cool. And what do the eggs, what do some of the eggs look like? Well, they
1: they are like um yellowish color and they have uh, some like hairs. They have a, a little ha- hair all, for all the outline of the eggs and they very, very small like I don't know maybe like 80 centimeters long approximately. So you can find them washed off of the beach near to kelps. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay okay cool. So some of them lay eggs but that's kind of like the extent of what we know about them? Like, we really don't know much about them at all then. Yeah, we have very, very little information about it. And
1: we recently, some research has started to work on, on defining stone life cycles, um, age, and other biologic aspects. And I think that's very important because in this case, in, for this project, we have the opportunity to see that chimeras are part of the bycatch of these fisheries. We need to know their biology to know if this, if the, fish, if the fisheries represents a threat to this species.
0: Yeah, of course, because that's that's when you're in the danger zone. Is when you have a species that's being caught frequently and you don't know what the impact of that could be. I'm I'm guessing, I'm assuming chimeras are quite slow to reproduce.
1: Yeah, like the shrugs and raised cousin, of course. But it's worth mentioning that in this group for cartilaginous species, uh, rays, sharks, and chimeras, they have a very diverse life history traits, uh, life history characteristics, and biology. So it's important to acknowledge that because we need to have that approach of, we have differences between species. And I mention this because often when we mention that uh sharks rays, and camera are slow growth animals. Uh it's because it's compared with other fishes like bone bony fishes or sardines like massively reproduce. So so we have this idea but we need to uh that's what we do research to know more about these fishes and exactly know how to conserve or how to manage if they need. In the case of of chimeras here at Mexico, chimeras are not uh, an important resource. Even fishers don't know about chimeras because they are not common. But for me, I like to say they are common here at Popotla. So that's a very interesting thing in this from this project.
0: Ah, okay. So yeah, so generally not a very frequently fished species. But in the in the area that you were working in, they were showing up quite a quite a lot. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I, I mean, this is, this is quite a curveball question, but do you know maybe why that would be? Well, we have a theory because we
1: identified that fishing activities in the regions uh, have a, many problems with many depletion of other resources like uh, spiny lobster, California spinney lobster, for example, that was, that is a very, very important resource here in the area. So some fishers are putting the fishing gears very far because they don't have enough resources near to the coast. So we believe that this kind of dynamic is doing the overlap between deep water species or far to the shore species. So I think we, we have that theory about that's why it's important to also describe the the fishing dynamics because they give us some of the you know some data about what's going on what's happening there also for example uh, due to the depletion of spinny lobsters we talk with some fishers that uh, they tell us that they go to deeper waters cut some new species of shrimp species with that particular team of fishers we encountered the majority of the uh, the water shark species and chimeras of course
0: okay interesting so it's maybe so it's not so much of a case of like this area is particularly important for them but just the style of fishing and where they're fishing and how they're doing it
1: yeah probably is that but of course we have the We have the question if this area is important for that species so i uh, for me and for the team here we are thinking in projects to try to answer that question. it's really important that their area
0: for the chimeras
1: so hopefully we could uh, and develop another project soon
0: fingers crossed yeah that would be um that would be really exciting to look at yeah (laughs) yeah so can you describe some of the species of chimeras that you were finding in Popotla?
1: Yeah, of course. We, unfortunately, we only have the opportunity to see the spotted ratfish, uh, Isidrolagos colei. This species uh, is very particular We have has spots on the body and... I have amazing brown color with uh, some dark spots and this particular species is where where you can see this long tail looking like a rat tail so that's the name
0: ratfish makes sense <laughs> yeah spotted ratfish yeah <laughs> so we've talked about we've talked about chimeras and like i said at the beginning i can't do an episode with you without talking about prickly sharks Again, I think we might have mentioned it on the Weird Sharks episode, but I don't think we went into great detail. I'm just so amazed that there's a shark called a prickly shark, and I need to know why. <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about this species?
1: Yeah, well, this is a very rarely seen species. We, well, I have the opportunity to to see one. In this project, I do not have the opportunity yet. This uh, kind of shark is very uh, interesting because don't have the classic shark shape, you know, like a white shark, a mako shark. They don't have this uh, dorsal fin, uh, prominent dorsal fin like other sharks. The dorsal fin are very small and are located near to the tail. And They're also kind of um, robust body. I'm not sure if they call it prickly shark because of the dermal denticles or scales that these sharks have. By the way, they're, they're amazing. The dermal denticles of the prickly shark are amazing. <laughs> well, when you see in the microscope, you can see the like many stars in their skin, so that's amazing. Wow.
0: That is amazing. Yeah,
1: and it's beautiful. I mean, we have some uh samples here from prickly sharks and I love showing these teeth to the children and they love it. Yeah,
0: can imagine. So, I would have lost my mind as a I mean, I'm losing my mind now as a grown adult, but like <laughs> as a child to know that sharks uh, there's a shark that has like s- starry skin is is really cool. Yeah. yeah. And you can imagine, I guess that might feel prickly when you when you pick them up? Do they like do they feel like that at all? Definitely. Yeah,
1: we always actually this the skin of the sharks is always very entertaining for uh for children and, and general public because the skins feels rough, feels uh, kind of prickly and for prickly sharks is is very, very, very like hard. Like this these star shapes you can feel it
0: with your fingers. This is incredible. This is incredible. This is a new thing that I didn't know. Um, which is great. <laughs> Chimeras and prickly sharks are obviously like you said they're they're deep sea species. uh I think a lot of people have a misconception that deep sea species kind of go under the radar. They're not really threatened by a lot of the things that, you know, sharks that occur in shallower waters are, but that of course isn't the case. So what kind of threats are they facing?
1: Well, in this project, we focus on the interaction with the fisheries and we identify that there is an interaction with the fisheries. Uh, It's for that reason that it's very important to do studies to identify more species in the landings, to collect data, collect fishery and biological data. And also, I think it's very important to talk with the fishers and having the fishers support in this kind of project is very important to collect data, but also to engage them in their management or conservation, whatever the, the species needs. And because fishers, are very useful when we need to collect data. For this project in particular, we talk with the fishers, they give us the, the specimens for some samples to show also for um, childrens in science fairs, and also they usually call us when they find, find some rare species, like they call it. So we identified this overlap with the fishing activities and that's very important because like you say, we usually think that the water shark species and chimeras don't usually uh, see them because they are very deep. And with this project, we identified that's not the case, that we still having uh, some of the species in the landings and even if these species are not commercially important,
0: um, they still cut it. Mm. And so, you know, after, after your project, after you found that out, is there anything that can be done about that? We
1: are, we're still working in Popotla. I think for us, it's very important to still monitoring occasionally. Uh, we have the, the advantage of, of that fishing camp. is very close to where I'm based, so uh, it's very easy to go there and, and have a, uh, a survey of the fishing activities in some seasons. And also, it's very important to build a trust with the fishers because they are very willing to participate, to give you support, to um, uh, give you the specimens. And fishers also have a lot of curious about the species and they ask you uh, how the skull, how the part of the body or what kind of of name for this species or etc. So it's very important to build this kind of connection with the fishers and definitely this when we when we work with uh fishing activities we always should consider the human dimension that fishing activities have because you don't have fisheries without humans so uh if you wanted to do research for sustainable management of even for conservation you need to consider the human dimensions of these activities
0: yeah totally and you know respecting that is a huge part of breaking down barriers the fishermen I can imagine they would feel a little bit threatened by potentially you know conservation coming in or scientists coming in and respecting the importance of their livelihood is is a huge part of breaking down that barrier and also you know that just the interest in the species and the like engaging them in kind of what you're doing and showing them about your research I think it's absolutely fantastic yeah, for example, for for some of the
1: species they mentioned when they uh, found it in the nets alive, I mean, with, they uh, usually release them because they don't have any value for them. So if you talk to to the fishers about it and you explain it and then and they are they understand they understand that if that the kind of fish doesn't have any value, why do I need to uh, land landed so that's that's a very that's a very interesting thing that not many people understand about the fishers and species and shark species dynamic you know
0: yeah yeah totally that's really interesting so you, you said that you're still kind of based in the same area and your work now uses some pretty cool technology to monitor marine species in marine protected areas, including some of the kind of rarer deep sea threatened species that we're kind of talking about. So can you tell us a little bit more about this?
1: Yeah, of course. Well, uh, we developed a project to monitoring marine megafauna in natural protected areas because we wanted to identify where the species are living, what are they doing, their distributions, and also identify the abundance, diversity, and if their natural protective area management measures are being effective to protect for the protection of the species. So we are using BRUPS, uh, underwater video stations with bait. Underwater video stations, we are using Uh, robes and also drones to uh, monitoring some of the species especially because in this uh, natural protected area we have whale sharks we have a a season with whale sharks aggregates every year so we are trying to develop a protocol to monitoring whale sharks using aerial drones so that's a very interesting project that We hope to have results by end of this year. Also, yeah, also also we are working with props and not so deep waters, but I'm always thinking in a project to use these cameras to buy uh, big lights and put it there i have the i i already have the place where where i wanted to put it these props to search for chimeras and the water sharks yeah i have the place (laughs) i just need the money and the time to finish (laughs) and to develop the project
0: (laughs) so if any if any funders are listening and they think this sounds like a cool project and why would you not fund (laughs) a (laughs) research yeah (laughs) i would i would love to see because i think bruvs are amazing it's like um it's essentially like just like leaving a gopro and letting the sharks do their thing right so i would love to see what chimeras are getting up to what prickly sharks are getting up to just kind of putting about going about their daily business like that would be amazing. If I had money, I would very happily fund you. <laughs> <laughs> if people wanted to follow your work to kind of find out more about it, where can they go? Well, I
1: have the, the website uh, of my project at uh, the Sabre Seas website. So you can find more information there. I'm currently working in another blog post to update the the recent service and all the the work that we are we doing there after the pandemic closures. And also, you can find me in my social medias. I have like Instagram, Twitter. Right now, I'm trying to develop. Uh, some of the content for my instagram accounts based on some uh, science outreach especially for shark species
0: oh cool amazing yeah so we'll we'll leave links to everything as always in the show notes so please go and follow loose i i'm very excited to see your videos and the content that you're about to put out you're just you're a very busy lady <laughs> <laughs> yeah (laughs) i
1: i also want to uh mention about the the platform the science hub um, education hub guild guardians from miss i've been collaborated with the with uh, with this team is is they are very very amazing girls and they have these uh guild guardians Education, health. But you can find information about sharks, rays, and chimeras for all ages. And I'm contributing with some content and also with uh, translation to Spanish,
0: into Spanish. Great, great. Yes, perfect. We'll put a link to that as well. We love Miss on this podcast. They do incredible work, and they've got so many resources available. So yeah, we we will link to that in the show notes as well, so people can go and find that. Um, But we are coming to the end of our podcast, it's gone super fast, an hour always goes quicker than I think (laughs) it's going to. (laughs) But I have one final question before our podcast comes to an end. And it's a bit of a silly one, but it is my (laughs) favourite. And it is, if you could be any species of shark, ray, skate, or chimera in the world, what would you be and why?
1: Well, I was thinking in this question very much. and I. I think I will be a, a Greenland shark because imagine all the things the Greenland sharks have the opportunity to see. I'm always, well, I'm always thinking in what's beneath my feet and right now my focus is in what is in deep waters. So I really, really want to know. I would love to have the opportunity to see what's in deep waters.
0: That's such a good answer, Greenland shark. Yeah, we had an episode on Greenland sharks recently and just how long they live. Like some of them have been around on the planet for, you know, hundreds of years. 400 (laughs) years.
1: Yeah, 400 years. Imagine the things that Greenland sharks see. So right now, I'm very interested in uh, historical marine ecology. So that's very interesting for me to have the opportunity to be a Greenland shark (laughs) and see all the history of the ocean.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And you get to see like life before humans ruined the oceans as well. (laughs) But yeah, that was that was a fantastic answer. And all of your answers have been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so so much for taking the time out to answer all of my questions about chimeras and prickly sharks and your fascinating research. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for the invitation. I, I have so much fun and I, well I could talk about our for hours about sharks rays and chimeras and prickly sharks
0: <laughs> and I could listen to you for hours uh, but I'm not gonna keep you for that long <laughs> um but yeah it's been so fantastic thank you so much you This podcast was brought to you by the Save Our Seas Foundation. It was hosted and produced by me, Isla Hodgson. Our amazing visuals are by Jamie Silver. Our beautiful logo is by Nicola Poulos. And the wonderful jingle you can hear right now is by David Knight. A enormous thank you to our guest, Luce, for coming on the podcast and teaching us all about chimeras, prickly sharks and of course about her fascinating research. It was such a pleasure to meet you. And if you wanna find out more about Luce and her work, There are links as to how to do that in the show notes of this episode on the World of Sharks website. So please go ahead and do that and show Luce some love. And as always, thank you at home for listening. If you like this episode, please be sure to rate, review and subscribe. This helps more people to find us and find out how amazing sharks are and find out about the amazing people working to save them like Luce. And who doesn't want that? And if you want a question covered on the podcast, want a topic covered, you can get in touch by emailing ila at savercs.com or by finding us on social media. We are at SaveRCs Foundation on Instagram and at SaveRCs on Twitter. Alrighty, have a jawsome week and we will see you next time.